that the power balance between employer and employee has balanced up. So I think we'll see different kinds of leaders coming to the fore and other kinds of leaders struggling a bit. Is the leader being deprived of opportunities to share his wisdom? Hello and welcome to The Common Creative. This is an occasional broadcast um, where we're looking at all things the new normal. Paul, how are you today? I'm um, as good as normal, Chris. As Sorry, good as the new normal. <laughs> yes, I think the whole world is trying to make sense of what the new normal looks like. I mean, Australia feels like it's in not bad shape when it comes to COVID, but of course the rest of the world is still struggling, so that kind of changes our relationship with the rest of the world. And that's what we're trying to do today to kind of understand the rules of the new normal. But before we do that, I was listening, tuning into our just published podcast with Alicia Olson Keating from the ABC. I thought it was a brilliant show. I really enjoyed listening to her. She's a fascinating woman. What, what did you think? Yes, of? look, I think fantastic. Besides, you know, her, her story and the work that she does, uh, her initials are AOK, which, uh, you know, you, you, it's a great place to start. <laughs> I found she tells such an interesting story about the fact that she came to Australia to work at the ABC and because she'd come from Canada and Canada was so far advanced in the technology, she literally could see the future uh, three years into the future, which <laughs> was just absolutely fantastic. You know, it was such a, a great uh uh, description. That's right. She described having got been in her role for three years. Australia by then had caught up with Canada and she could no longer see the future. And she said something very interesting that for a person whose job is about analysis, that you can't join the dots for the future. You can only join the dots for the past. I think that was her point about creativity is that um, you can't you can't research the future, even though her role is research. And so you have to take a creative leap to interpret what your past data shows you to try and suggest what might happen in the future. And these days, of course, as the financial analysts say, past performance is not necessarily a reliable guide to what might happen in the future. So her job is to be creative and to kind of get herself out there. So, yeah, really enjoyed listening to that. Now, yeah, that um, was, uh, yeah it was fabulous. Now, in, in, this is our second discussion about the new normal. In the first one, Paul, you, you shared a, a view about people becoming closer to their communities and more concerned with, I think, the circular economy and, and what they consume and so on. Is that, is that a fair summary of, of your point? Yeah, I think that was uh, what we, uh, we, 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 chatted, we chatted about, yes. Um, it's, it's interesting. I was wondering if we'd be chatting a lot about technology because, you know, we're all dealing with Zoom and we're chatting through a platform for podcasts right now. But we're not. I, I've got a, a point to add to your one, which is about power and the fact that so many of us have learned that there are new ways of working, sometimes from our home homes or our bedrooms, perhaps from cafes and so on. And we've been working by ourselves or perhaps with a dog or cat in the background. And in Australia, anyway, some employers are starting to say to their employees, look, uh, there's not enough COVID around to worry about anymore. Come back to work. Let's see you in the office at nine o'clock on Monday morning. And I think that's causing a bit of a problem because a lot of people have discovered that if they work at home, they get a lot of very good work done, particularly thinking type work. Uh, not so much the discursive creative work, but thinking work's done very well from home. Um, and also they gain about 
whatever, an hour, two hours a day by not having to commute and sit on a bus with other people who might be coughing and spluttering. So I, I've noticed a lot of individuals who have been encouraged to return to work resisting that idea or at least renegotiating the way that they return to work. Um, I actually think that's a very healthy thing, that, that the power balance between employer and employee has balanced up and employees are now feeling more empowered to say, no, this is how I want to work from now on. I'll come in one day a week. I'll, I'll perhaps work from home on these days. Um, I'll reserve certain types of work for the office and different types. That's what I think is going on with the new normal. What do you think? Mm. But, but yes, Chris, 100%. I, I, it, it is a, you know, it is a, a keen observation. I was in a client's office the other day and he has about 10 people they were in the business of live events. They pivoted, which is last year's word, uh, to go to Zoom, and they've had quite a successful year. But his office was empty, and he was bemoaning the fact that his rent's about seventy grand a year, and he's got his rent review, or you know, his lease is up in three or four months. And he says, "What do I do?" You know, he says, "I'm sitting here," and he's probably got you know, hundred square meters, and no one's here, and they all love working from from home. So. It certainly has empowered people. The other thing that a lot of businesses, you know, always have on their plan about in the future, remote working, you know, and... and it's always policies. in the future. <laughs> yeah, but it's all policies. You know, we have certain policies about it, you know, like, and, and it was, oh, uh, you know, we, we don't do that because it's not our policy. Um, that was always the sort of, uh, sort of thing. And all of a sudden, they don't have this excuse anymore, or it's not our policy, and there seems to be, and I, I sort of don't get it because I know some of my clients, big organisations, um, people are coming back to work and people, you know, they say they want to come back, they say to come back to work and they come back to work. That's it. But other places, as I said to this mate, they, you know, he just goes, well, they said, well, we don't want to. And it's, mm. and it's like in all of a sudden, yeah, they've lost, the employers lost all the power that they probably didn't even realise that they had, that they, you know, their, their working conditions made them come to work. And now it's like, oh, no, we don't have to because it's, you know, if you've got an argument, look, it might be dangerous for me, you know, like I don't yeah. want to get on a bus. I've learned to do new things with that time that I would have spent commuting, and I don't frankly want to donate that to listening to some um, radio show on the way into work or it might be. Uh, there's an interesting implication of that. Let's assume there's now a, a greater equality between employers and employees, and, and they're all renegotiating the way they work together. And the implication is for the people leading teams, because in the old command and control world, you have your team sitting at desks in front of you, tapping keyboards, you know, looking busy, you know, saluting when the time is right. Um, and for certain kinds of leaders, it's very reassuring. You can see who's paying attention, who's on Facebook, and so on and so on. When they're not in front of you, if you're a certain kind of command and control leader, that can be very threatening. You know, are they working? Are they doing what they should be doing? How can I check up on them? Um, whereas perhaps a slightly more um, inclusive leader, a leader that works much more as a facilitator rather than a director, perhaps, I think we find it quite encouraging. This is, you know, here's what I'm hoping you guys will do. Um, here's what I want to see it done by work out for yourselves how you're going to make it happen and check in with me with, with progress and so on. But apart from that, all's in your court. So I think we'll mm. see different kinds of leaders coming to the fore and other kinds of leaders struggling a bit with this invisible 
virtual world that we're being asked to work in. That that uh, experience that you describe, or that uh, um, I've actually dis- uh, experienced that myself personally, due to a technology change in architecture. So in architecture, when I started, and you know, for the first ten. 15 years of my career, we had no computers at all, you know. And so everything was done on on um, pen on paper. And so um, if you, you know, and as I became, a, you know, an architect and had people working for me, you know, if I wanted to look at someone's work, I would stand at their shoulder and look at their drawing board or I could go over and flip through the drawings and to see, you know, what was, what was happening. But now what's happened is that, you know, the... With the computer screen and the way it works, it's totally different. It's not layers of drawings. It's 3D, model, 3D models in the machines. And you can't see, you know, the quantum of work. You know, in, like in five minutes, I could quickly look and see the quantum of work. But, you know, I could spend hours standing around a computer screen and not understanding, you know, we, we might have built a model, but it might not have no, it might be weeks left in getting the information out onto drawings, you know. And, and, and so it changed the technology and, and it made it very difficult. Um, but it, and I don't know if this this equates, but there's another thing that was that was made it difficult was that when I learned uh, to be an architect or in an office, um, I was taught how to draw, uh, not in college, not in university, but in the office. And at the same taught, time, I was taught what to draw. So I was being taught, you know, how to detail and you know and what to draw because it was this this conversation around a piece of paper. Um, or tracing paper and, and a pen. When the technology changed, I was no longer teaching them how to draw because they had to do that elsewhere and online and we get experts in to teach them. And so it, it, it basically took away the opportunity to teach them what to draw. Uh, and so I wonder in this way here, and we, you know, we've been talking about you know, the employees coming in, you know, this whole thing about you know, the training and the culture. Um, so... You know, in some ways, the, my question is: Does is the leader being deprived of opportunities to share his wisdom, uh, you know, in a in a sort of ad hoc or spontaneous way, because of this technology change that people are isolated? So it's just not the same of saying, "Oh, look, you know, th- this this is you know, an important thing to remember." Uh, I think the answer to that is emphatically yes. Because I think, I mean, it depends how you define leader, but we so often learn from people in ways that they don't expect. So you may not be specifically trying to teach something. You may be just doing something that comes naturally to you, which other people could pick up on and go, that's really clever, I can borrow from that. It might be something you say or the way you use a piece of technology or whatever. It, it, uh, but you may not be trying to say, say, this is a useful trick for you to use. And of course, if you're not in the same room, if you're not just watching someone out of the corner of your eye, there's no chance to do that. So, so I think mm. it's a really good point that your, your opportunities to learn are restricted to those moments when someone's trying to teach you something. And mm. the sort of incidental learning, the learning that, you happen, that happens when you're just tuning into watching or whatever it might be, might disappear. I think, it's, and it's interesting, yeah. what, you, what it sounds like with architecture is the tools have got a whole lot better, the computers, the technology and so on. But the thinking frameworks, the, the ways in which people decide what to draw, perhaps haven't. And maybe that's what leaders need to do more and more, is to provide the, the thinking frameworks. This is these are the steps I want you to go through, or this, these are the, these are the um, processes to use, and that this is when you use the technology. Um, 
Well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty good point. It changes what leaders do. They need to set up frameworks. They need to uh, set up processes which yeah. um, will help people use tools effectively. Yeah, and, and I think the other you know great impact it has is obviously on culture, um, and depending what you define culture as. But I you know, read somewhere like culture is effectively you know just what we do around here or how we do yeah. what we do you know how we do what we do and so you know if if it, if everyone's in a room you know then there's that cross-cultural connection but then if everyone's spread out and working separately all of a sudden you know it's a lot more individual individualistic and you know disconnected and so i i wonder if long term if it's going to change uh the culture of organizations uh, I, I, but, Again, I, I absolutely agree with that. It kind of removes the boundaries at the edges of organisations because the, the old school, you know, you're either in, you work for this company, or you're out. You, you're not a worker. You're maybe a contractor or you may be a client or whatever. But now you can, all connections happen through a little box in your screen. And, yeah. and whether that box is between people whose employment contracts are with the same company or with somebody's outside, it all looks like the same person, a face in a box, a face in a box. And that gives us all the sense of being the same. Um, it's amazing. In some companies, they, they, they have ways of dressing, ways of talking, for example, which aren't formal, but they're maybe manifestations of the culture. But if you're all just a box on a the screen, then all of that disappears too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think I think in, in terming you know like we're both making observations of the change and the challenges that are you know leaders and businesses and teams. I think the you know one of the answers or what needs to happen is particularly for the leaders, um, they need to be more overt about addressing these bits that they're missing. Um, you know, in a normal circumstance, they can just almost you know maybe just be themselves, and they'll have an influence on the culture or the learning or you know, the, the actions or, you know, whatever it might be, um, the program. But um, it was like when, when we had our architectural practice and we were about 15 people and we were a small practice and we had a small practice mentality and we went to 50 people, you know, we, we, were, we were so scared of losing our, this fantastic collegiate uh, bespoke culture that we, we became overt about it and we sort of went over the top. And, you know, eventually we had to pull it back because it was, it was too much, you know, for 50 people. It was more of a small practice mentality at 50, you know, amplified because there's more people. So we had to pull it back. But I, I think the, the trick, you know, for leaders is to go, you know, if, if, if their situation is, um, you know, they can't force people to come back to work, they've sort of got to go, okay, I accept they're doing the work and it's efficient, but what are the bits that we're missing? You know, am I missing, you know, are they missing learning opportunities? Uh, are there now holes in our culture or culture is going to change? And be really overt. So, in, you know, in some ways it may be more work or, or a shift in the focus of work and to say, yeah. well, you know, here, here you go. This is my job now is to make sure that, you know, I can hold this culture together and, and change it and, and drive it in a way that, you know, is just as effective and supportive but different in this different circumstance. So I think that's one of the, one of the key lessons that, that leaders need to learn about, you know, being very aware of the holes of what's what's you know what's missing because of the change i i think it's actually a very good thing because it's it's about leadership 
maybe it's more facilitation than leadership. It's it's a kind of more egalitarian kind of leadership. In the past, I think the pyramid structures of biz- businesses lend themselves to kind of the, the, the alpha male, the, the person that turns up with a power suit, they strut around the corridors, they arrive late at meetings, they've always got the latest bit of jargon to throw in their conversation. And, and they're the ones that historically have risen to the top by playing that game. And now I think... People, uh, uh, leadership challenges are, like you said, it's about kind of filling holes in the culture and recognising different styles of working. So I hope that's a good thing. We'll, we'll, we'll see better leaders um, and maybe more effective work coming out of this. Who knows? Yeah. And look, and I think the, the other thing too is, you know, about this communication because, you know, people are getting used to used to Zoom and, you know, the, the sort of, you know, online communication Uh and it has some advantages, you know. I, I've been to a couple of conferences, uh, and you know, some some bits are not as good, but other bits are better because there's a virtual room you can look around and see who you want to talk to without feeling rude. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the protocol is you just give someone a wave and then you leave the table. Uh, you know, not getting stuck, and then you can tap someone on the shoulder, you know, by the tap of a keyboard, saying, "Let's, you know, let's go to that couch there." And so it's so it's really really good. But I, I sort of think about. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have an interview with uh, Chad Littlefield, who is a, yeah. uh, a an amazing communicator and has a, a business called Me and We or We and Me, one of the two. Um, and and the thing that he's introduced me to, and Chris, you and I, you know, see ourselves as expert in this, you know, virtual communication world, but he takes it to a new level. Uh, and one of the things that I think he does is he doesn't rely purely on the technology. He relies yeah. very heavily on props. And that's so yeah. interesting and so simple. Something that I used to do when I speak, used to speak live, I used to always use props. Um, but when I went, you know, to virtual, I stopped using props. Um, and so I think that, again, it's, it's just being overt about it, that it's simply not enough to just show up. You have to try a bit harder, you know, try to be, yeah. you know, they're a bit funnier, try to, to, to shake things up a bit, be very, you know, try different things. So I think that's another learning. And that's not just for leaders. I think that's for everyone that's contributing on this, you know, to make it fun, you know, inverted commas, but, you know, to yeah. make it not boring, I suppose, is the thing. <laughs> yeah. So I remember there's, there's a course with somebody I think we both know. He, he, he called it How Not to Be Completely Shit on Camera. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that captures that idea. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, sort of, you know, whilst the new normal, you know, is maybe – about creativity or not, and I think it definitely is. And this is an example, I think, where where people have to, you know, or have an opportunity to be creative in how they communicate virtually. Yeah. And yeah. I think leaders have the opportunity of to be creative about how they create a mixed community between virtual and live. Uh, and so I think there's a great opportunity, uh, you know, and there's some really, you know, good parts to it, you know, like less travel, you know, more time with the kids, all that stuff. So I think, I think there's, you know, but it, I think it comes down to this need for Picasso's, Einstein's definition of creativity of seeing what everyone else sees but thinking something different. Yes. And I think this is what it is. We're all seeing the same screen, which is flat 2D screen. Uh, you know, what can you think differently about this and how can you change that to the benefit of your business, yourself, you know, your, your staff, uh, and, and the economy and, you know, and, and, and further and beyond, you know. I like that, that little phrase. I don't know if you thought of it, a mixed community. It's not a team. It's a mixed community. And that, and that sets the kind of 
the backdrop for any leader to lead a mixed community. So we're onto something here, Paul. Creative, creative diversity. A creative mixed community. community. Yeah, here we go. We've invented a whole new jargon. Uh, well, we're going to be in trouble from the diversity police by uh, saying creative diversity where that doesn't exist. Gonna they're going to love us for embracing people with different perspectives. Uh, Paul, I think that's a lovely moment to finish our conversation about the new normal. Um, looking ahead, we're about to... Um, publish a podcast with Greg Ralph. Um, if you remember, he's the, he's a, he's not a banker. He works for ANZ Bank. He's the UX lead for banker experience at ANZ, UX being user experience. So he's one of the leading people that makes sure that when you interact with a bank, if you're buying a, getting a loan or perhaps some negotiating an overdraft or something, the, the experience you have of doing that feels painless, feels smooth, feels uh, seamless. That's that's his job. But it, it's a fascinating show. I hope everyone will tune in because he himself is also a podcaster. He podcasts about movies. Um, uh, so there's another guy who you might imagine is not a creative, working in a big, highly structured organization, but he's dealing with very creative topics like user experience and on the side he's a podcaster. Uh, so I hope everyone will tune in to Greg Ralph next week. Yes. Look, exactly. Well, in fact, it'll probably be Last week, by the time this one comes out, Chris, because, uh, but anyway, that's that we can travel in time, can't we? <laughs> yeah, we can travel in time. Uh, and look, I think it's, I think it's very interesting. And it again, just to give a, a another call out to a future guest, uh, uh, Mr. Littlefield, one of his things is he says that you know, every person you meet will know something you don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I would take that a bit further that every piece, every person that you meet does something that you wouldn't expect. And, you know, and talking about Ralph, you know, here he is, his UX, always been about design and stuff, but he, he is he is a future uh, David uh, Stratton in making. Um, you know, he's getting the beard going, uh, you know, he's he's priming himself, you know, for that. So, but, yeah. yeah, so I think, and I think that's one of the things about, you know, our journey on this, you know, Common Creative, you know, we, we meet people who, you know, are in business and we're interested about their view of creativity and they come out with, you know, the most amazing stuff. And so so it's not only does everyone you meet know something you don't, but it's also, you know, everyone has their own story uh, yeah. and everyone has the ability to surprise. Yeah, um, yeah, lovely thought to finish with. Thank you, Paul. Really good. Thank Next you, Chris. You normal. Um, hope everyone will subscribe, press like, give some feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts about the new normal and indeed our guests at the Common Debate. Thanks for joining us. Okay, thanks, Chris. Ciao. Bye for now.